Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about uh, plan provisions that can make uh, a 401k plan a bigger employee benefit. Of course, first things first, that 401k site.com, January 25th, 26th, that 401k national virtual conference. Uh, looking forward to that in a couple weeks. Uh, we got, uh, you know, 50 plus people signed up so far. Uh, you know how it goes with events. We'll probably you know, reach uh, 100 or so by the end. That's how it always goes. Um, if you got my emails and whatnot, you can sign up for free. Uh, if not, go to that 401 pay a couple bucks. Uh, if you, you know, know any of the sponsors and the list is on that uh, 401k reach out to them. They have the links as well to uh, sign up for free. Uh, but uh, we also got some... Uh, Great events that are live and in person. May the 3rd, Arlington, Texas. Uh, that's at the uh, Globe Life Field. I don't know. It's a new stadium that the Texas Rangers have um, across the street from AT&T Stadium, where we did an event in 2019. Looking forward to coming back to Texas. Uh, and, of course, uh, my ancestral home, Bronx, New York, uh, Yankee Stadium, um, not really my ancestral home, but my my grandparents moved to the Bronx after they came from Romania in 1964. So I guess that is like kind of my ancestral home. Uh, but um, Yankee Stadium, uh, we will have some tickets available for the Dodger game that night. Uh, we're you know working. I'm working with Larry uh, to to book some guests for Texas and Yankee Stadium. So we'll uh, let you know how that goes. Um, and like I said, go to that com for further information on what we have. We're, you know, adding sponsorships here and there. Uh, Penchex, uh, signed up for all three events, so we're very, very happy to have them involved for the very, very first time. Uh, thank you, Kevin Spaeth, for that. Um, and, uh, for anybody who wants to still sponsor, uh, if you get me before the virtual conference, you can do the virtual conference for free if you sign up for uh, uh, the live events, one or two live events. So uh, please um, set uh, forth and uh, get to the website and all that stuff. Um, looking forward to it. And uh, we'll see what ha happens. I already have an idea for the next event. There is one event I have to do. Maybe we'll do it in September. Maybe we'll do it in 2025. I have two events in mind. One would be close to where I had it in 2019. And then one area that I haven't uh, tackled upon. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, the days of me doing nine events a year, those are long gone. I mean, I think COVID put a stop to that. Uh, we'll do two, three events a year. We'll be happy. We'll be satisfied. Keep it going. Uh, you know, I think less is more. Um and we'll see what happens. Um, when we're talking about the topic at hand, I worked for about 12 years for other people. I've had enough. I think people know that story. Uh, as uh, one time, I think there's a video from David Geffen talking about Don Henley uh, in the History of the Eagles, where he talks, you know, Don was a malcontent. He'll always be a malcontent. And, and that's okay. And I probably was as well. Um <coughs> uh, you know, that being said, you know, most employees aren't like me. They're not malcontents. They want to work for other people. My wife um, never wanted to start her own practice. 
Uh, you know, there was a time she was unemployed for quite some time. Um, and I, even at that time, she had no interest. She wanted to work for other people, and, and she's very, very good at that, and I understand that. But even for her, um, you know, she wants to work for people that have empathy. People understand that workside benefits are a really good thing. Uh, she's at a good firm now, uh, for the most part, as good as a law firm could be. You know, they got a good plan with uh, Fidelity. Uh, I think there were some other plans for companies she worked for where they're insurance company based. Um, you know, there's a good employer contribution, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the, you know, uh, eligibility was six months or something like that. But I think most employers forget that, you know, 401k plans are a employee benefit. And uh, it's need to be treated as such. And again, I always compare it to the free coffee uh, at work. Uh, when I wor worked at, at Geller, you know, that was the first time I ever seen a Keurig machine before they were ever uh, allowed in homes. They were first part of a commercial service. Uh, I, I thought it was fascinating to see it. But people really got, people really love that Keurig machine. And they made it the only time the employees ever complained about anything is when uh, uh, the guy in charge uh, no longer wanted to pay for milk. And I think that that revolt lasted two, three days. Lousy benefits, uh, you know, they, they, you know, and how they treated employees, they didn't care about that. But, but the milk, uh, that, that was the big thing. But there are provisions out there that plan sponsors could put in place that can make a 401k plan look better, be better. And, you know, used as a tool for what it should be, which is to, you know, recruit and retain employees. And, and number one thing to me is eligibility. You know, when I was a malcontent and looking for the next place to work, because, you know, I think as soon as I got to a place, I think I was looking for somewhere else. Um, you know, I would look to what the eligibility was for the 401k plan. And, you know, if you need, required a full year of service before I could defer to a 401k plan, that was a huge strike. Uh, listen, you're making, uh, I was an attorney. I was making good money, I guess, you know, I could always complain about how much I, I make, uh, in those days, you know, no employee ever said they got paid too much. They always got paid too little, but you know, if it required a year of service, that was a big strike, <coughs> you know, and I understand why plant sponsors and, you know, they would want to, you know, people to complete a full year. Uh, to get an employer contribution, but as far as deferrals, I never understood why they won. Um, you know, I understand not wanting to give full, t you know, part-time employees an employer contribution. Um, you know, uh, I understand that. Uh, I believe in immediate eligibility for salary deferrals, or something as little as low as three months of eligibility, because discrimination testing allows you to test the plan if it was twenty-one and one anyway. Uh, you know, people say, I, I don't want to have a, a no eligibility requirement or a small one because there'd be small account balances because of high turnover. Um, I think high turnover is not the problem of the employees. I think it's a high turnover is a problem of the employer. Um, that's how I see it. You know, I work for a TPA again where I joke that our front door should be a revolving door. Is that a reflection on the employees or was it a reflection on us? I believe it's a reflection on us. Um, if you don't have your employees stay for a long time, and we're not talking about a restaurant. We're not talking about the local pizzeria where, you know, the teenage kids last, you know, six months. We're talking about full-time positions at 
you know, firms and whatnot. Uh, you know, obviously small, you know, account balances that can be fixed with the, you know, exercising voluntary cash out rule. It's there for a reason. Now it's uh, up to seven grand. Thanks to the long-time part-time eligibility requirement, which is going on now. Um, the reason for not having very low eligibility requirements, in my opinion, peter out. Uh, you know, and my wife and I have turned down job opportunities in the past just because there was that year of service requirement. You could lose some great candidates if you stick to it, and uh, that's how I feel. Uh, employer contributions, obviously, uh, it's for those that can afford it. Major reason, you know, that businesses switched from a pension plan to a 401k plan because it cut down on costs. The sh burden shifting of funding retirement went from the uh, employer to the employees because most uh, funding for 401k retirement was through salary deferral, still is. So, uh, while employees will fund their retirement through deferrals, employer contributions still go a long way. The only good thing that I ever worked at Meyer Swazi was the 5% profit sharing contribution. Uh, it was a kind of a safe harbor, fully vested contribution, uh, but that went a long way. It wasn't worth the abuse uh, that I got, but look, uh, it, it, was, it was good for the two years that I was there. It goes a long way to recruiting and retaining employees. It doesn't have to be a profit sharing contribution. could be a match. It's still good. It's attractive. Uh, you know, obviously tax deductions in the business return. Uh, you could use cross-tested uh, contributions, uh, cross-tested allocations I always like, uh, new comparability. Use that 3% safe harbor as that minimum gateway for the lower paid people. You can bump up the higher paid to about 9%. If you want to be even more generous, give people 5% like they did for me at Meyer Swazi. Give you know, the partners up to the maximum. Um, it's a better benefit. Uh, you know, It's all about satisfying uh, employees. And again, these formulas will allow you to, you know, not deal with the ADP and ACP test. If you do that with the uh, safe harbor and then and new comparability backup, uh, not every plan sponsor can afford it. Obviously, you can only uh, fund what you can afford, uh, but any chance you can uh, to help plan sponsors, plan participants out, it, it really goes a long way. Next are hardship distributions. Now, I always talk about my grandmother, uh, and the reason I always talk about my maternal grandmother, because she, she was the greatest person I ever knew. She was very, very wise. She went through a lot in life. Uh, she was a Holocaust survivor. She was 20 years old. She was led to Auschwitz. Her mother was put on one line. She was put on the other. She never saw her mother again. Her mother was 47 years old and immediately went, uh, failed selection, and immediately went to uh, the gas chamber. My grandmother had a very good outlook on life. Um, I, I, you know, I never saw... Uh, the trauma, I never heard of, you know, she, she kept those stories very, very quiet. But she was very, very wise beyond her years. And uh, she never participated in a 401k plan. She uh, was part of a union pension plan. Uh, she was a seamstress over there for my uncle's uh, hat company, military hat company. Uh, but she always said one thing, uh, life never goes to plan. And uh, she'd probably be a big fan of hardship provisions because, you know, life doesn't go to plan. You know, the idea behind, you know, 401k savings is you save for retirement. 
Um, but life gets in the way. You know, I'm sitting here uh, downstairs in my house and bought this house in 2005. I don't think in 2005 would I guess in 2012 I'd be sitting in an area where there'd be five feet of water because of a hurricane. Uh, I needed that money. Uh, needed like $100,000 to fix this house. Uh, FEMA uh, could only give so much. The state of New York could only give so much. You had to tap into it. And whether it's for medical expenses or staving off an eviction or foreclosure or pay for funeral expenses, it's an option that most foreign plans offer. I suggest that you do. Uh, again, it's somebody's money. And when they really, really need it, it should be there. Uh, you know, again, uh, when I started back in 2000 and started for retirement, that wasn't the idea. But like my grandmother said, life doesn't go to plan. It's it's just it just doesn't. Uh, it was always that running joke. I watched a movie, The Firm, and I always thought it was great that Tom Cruise's character Mitch uh, got a was that eighty thousand dollar year job in a Mercedes, and that's what I wanted. Except for I didn't want to work for a mobbed up law firm. You know, I ended up working for thirty five thousand dollars and driving a Toyota Camry. That's life. Life doesn't go to plan. But uh, you know. There are other paths in life to make, and I'm happy with my path and, and whatever it is, but uh, that's why I'm a big fan of hardship distributions, and should probably be as well. Same thing with loans. Again, life gets in the way. Uh, it's participants' money. They should have a right to tap it. And because it's a direct investment, it's a direct because it's from a direct invested account, you know, earn, you know any interest they pay goes on to that account. So you need it to tap into for a down payment on your house. It's there. I don't think it's a great idea. I had an actuary that I worked with who, who did that, took out a loan to buy a condo. Thought he was a brilliant man. Why are you doing that? Well, it's a great investment. Yeah, but uh, to me, the stock market is a better investment. That's how I see it. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of loans. <coughs> but of course, one loan maximum at a time, $1,000 minimum, that's how I see it. But again, big fan of giving people the opportunity to get their money. Same thing in service distributions. Um, people are 59 and a half, let them have their money. They want to move it to an IRA, let them have it. They're near retirement anyway. Uh, it's just a great vehicle for them to push the money out if they want to. Um, I don't recall the last time I drafted a 401k plan that didn't have an in-service at 59 and a half or normal retirement age. I'm sure there are plans that are still out there. But, uh, you know, it makes no sense not to offer it. These aren't pension plans where, you know, those days we needed to make sure, sure people, um, you know, are there and actually retire. And, and that's, 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 you know, how I feel. Vesting. Um... I think that there is a need for vesting. Uh, you know, I think one day you'll see vesting will be eliminated. Uh, why do I say that? Because if you look at the history of vesting, um, you know, pre-ERISA, I think there'd be like a 20 to 30 year cliff vesting or something like that. And I think uh, ERISA came in with a 10 year vesting schedule, I want to say, and it kept on moderating to the point now where we have the six year 
Uh, originally, it was seven year. We could do seven year for match and profit sharing. Then I think we kicked it down to six years for matches. Now it's six year for profit sharing as well and pension and all that stuff. Uh, I'm not suggesting that any plan sponsor offer full immediate vesting, but obviously something better better than six year graded goes a long way in my opinion. Uh, you want to have people stay there, but you also want it to have it as an incentive tool. Longer vesting schedules, obviously. Uh, less incentive than something that's immediate or two, three years or whatnot. Last but not least, investment advice. Uh, I believe that plan participants do better when they get investment advice. At the very least, they need investment education. RISA 4.4C says, you know, uh, you have to have participants uh, get informed investments uh, to be able to make informed investment decisions. In order for the plan sponsors to be held unculpable for losses sustained by participants in the RISA 44C, and I always talk about Mark Swazi, you know, giving me a bunch of Morningstar profiles, and no advisor in the plan, and no update to the funds for 10 years wasn't going to cut it. Uh, they hate when I mention that. Uh, the HR director at the time, who's still there at the time, uh, Pat. You're, I, you know, I use that shtick in all of my writings. I've used the shtick in, you know, this is episode 279 or something like that. Uh, I probably have mentioned it in 270 podcasts. I, I would see her because my allergist is in the same building as my old law firm. And I saw her one time and boy, if looks could kill, I'd be dead. But it is what it is. This is what happens when you don't listen to my advice. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, plant participants do better when they get at least investment education. They do better when they get investment advice, you know, and obviously what's the difference? Investment education is just general. Hey, this is an equity fund. This is a fixed income fund. And this is, you know, we talk about dollar cost averaging and all these basic investment concepts that I know by heart. Investment advice is obviously different. It's one-on-one -on -one meetings, really, uh, with participants, giving them, mapping out their investment decisions based on their salary, based on their retirement expectations. It's more specific, and I think it's great. Again, I worked at, at, at uh, I worked at that firm, and there was a guy I, I still friends to to this day. Actually, he left not too long ago. He left the firm to go to another firm. He was there for like 15 years. I'm amazed anybody lasts there, you know, five years, let alone 15. And the reason why I think uh, people need investment advice and education, he's he's the example for it. Because I remember when I tried fixing the plan, he says, you know, Ari, I got the bases covered. I said, what do you mean you got all your bases covered? He said, he said for the investments, I put 100% of my investments in the mid-cap mid fund because that's the middle of the market. And I said to him, that's not how a mid-cap fund works. They just invest in mid-cap funds. They're not the middle of the market. And that's why, you know, participants need investment education. It, it, you know, nobody, t you know, I, I, I read about financing and mutual funds and because I, I was interested in it. Most people aren't interested in it. My wife isn't interested in it. My wife gives me... Um, her investment sheet, and I, I, you know, I spit it out. I, I usually have like a set amount 
that I do, uh, you know, mid-cap, small-cap, large-cap, uh, foreign emerging markets. Uh, you know, to me, with the 401ks, five, six funds, and that's it. Uh, that's how I am. And in my Fidelity non-401k account, I have 12 investments. My SoFi general account, I got individual stocks, so that, that obviously is a lot different. But that's how it is. And, <coughs> you know, it's all about giving participants a better outcome. And investment advice does it. Got a good investment professional. Uh, it's going to get people more involved in their plan, uh, more concerned, and feel like uh, they belong. And it's a bigger benefit. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of That 401k Podcast. Tune into next week's episode. And of course, go to that401ksite.com for further information on all our events. And again, if I don't mention it, tune in to next week's fun-filled episode of That 401k Podcast. If I don't mention fun-filled, a good buddy of mine is going to mention that I didn't mention fun-filled. <coughs> so until next week, Ari Rosebaum signing off. Bye. <coughs>